This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, everyone, to the No Ceilings Show. We're switching it up a little bit this week. I am going to be your host, Tyler Rucker, and I'm joined, as always, by the legend, Tyler Metcalf. Metcalf, how are we doing this week? How are we holding up? We got an exciting one. I'm pretty pumped about this. I'm excited to switch it up, and I hope the fans are, too. Yeah, that this feels unnatural. It feels wrong, um, but I'm I'm excited. I, I just kind of get to kick my feet up, relax a little bit, just have questions thrown at me constantly, um, instead of you know having to carry the conversation as always. So <laughs> just a drag. Um, no, I, I'm excited for this one. Just to talk a little NBL action, which you know, see regular season for that actually just started up too. But we're talking about NBL blitz. Um, before we get into all of that. I need to ask you something, and I'm probably going to show my age here quite a bit. So last weekend, we didn't record because I had to travel to Denver for a wedding. It was a beautiful venue, great time, all of that stuff. After the ceremony, though, you know, we went out to a bar and normal bar, DJ, bar, dance floor, patio, secondary bar, secondary DJ. Out there, you could still hear the main DJ from inside out on the patio. is lovely, but 80% of the people there had these big headphones on and i'm like okay that's weird but then i'm like oh okay it's like a silent disco type thing yes like where they're listening to their own thing and dancing and what whatever but then i grab one of them it's the exact same music that the main dj is playing so people are just listening to the main music that you can hear in every inch of that bar in these headphones and not talking to anyone is this a new thing or am i just old and outdated i I it bewildered me. Okay, first of all, we need to start. I I like this kind of pivot of changing up the (laughs) episode intros into kind of life perspective stuff. So let me get this straight. It was silent disco at a wedding, but you couldn't change the channel. Bar downtown after wedding. Oh, so this is at a bar downtown, and no one no one could change the channel of like what's playing. I don't think so. Is it all the same colors? And the, the yeah, if, if that's a new wave thing, music, I'm like, what are we doing? Just talk to me. No, if that's a new wave thing, I have no interest of being part of that wave. That is horrendous. Yeah. Usually, you get like three or four options, and you know, one's like classic rock or old school party anthems, and then you get the random one that's like in sync that everyone yeah, so, just gets really pumped to switch to, or Backstreet Boys. And I would have been all over that. Um, yeah, you but- got to. And so it, it may have been that I may not have caught on to there being additional channels in my old age. Um, but <laughs> the pair I grabbed was the exact same music that was being played over the speakers by the main DJ that you could hear in every inch of that bar inside or outside. 
and everyone was dancing to the same beat regardless of if they had headphones on or not it i hated it it was absurd i <sighs> sorry it sounds terrible no 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 it's okay <laughs> but well it sounds terrible um everyone bear with us you know obviously i'm i'm hosting this one it's for special reason we're going to be kind of trying out uh, a new show this year we're not going to announce it yet but my hope is to give Metcalf a little bit of a breather and I'll be hosting that with someone else that knows ceilings. And then that one's going to be fun, but I am also excited to turn the tables and kind of drill you with some questions because you're always doing the heavy lifting. And now it's time for you to, like you said, sit back and be able to just kind of throw it at me. So you wrote an awesome, awesome piece talking about the NBL blitz at no ceilings It's absolutely free. Go check it out. But a lot of people were, you know, NBL has been building the excitement, the talent level over the years, Metcalf, but this year feels different. This year feels mm. special. I think going into the NBL blitz evaluators were like, Hey, this is going to be a fun year to be watching Australian basketball and, and watching this league develop. And there's a lot of talent. And then you watch these games and all of a sudden we got more guys that we weren't really like foaming at the mouth for before. And now we're like, hold on a second. This is getting really fun. So I'm going to let you start. Like you just tell me who you want to start with because there's so many names we can go over. Everyone's buzzing about them. We've been talking to people buzzing about them. I've been talking to scouts early in the year, like trying to dip in my toes, trying to be like, Hey, like, we're using an international grind and all they want to do is talk about the NBL blitz guys. Yeah. They're like, yeah, that was an awesome event. I'm really pumped for this class. So who caught your eye? Who do you want to start with? I know a lot of people did. And for anyone that hasn't read your review, you got to go check it out. It was fantastic, but let's talk more in depth. I, I know you were putting the ink on the, on the line, but now we want some, some audio, some words behind it. Yeah. I the just big picture view, it, it really does feel like the most talented the NBL has probably ever been. And that's talking about young prospects. I think this is the most like legit draft prospects the NBL has probably ever had. Um, but also just the older talent that's there. There are a lot of guys who are former NBA guys who, you know, could maybe ride the bench on a handful of NBA teams, but are getting big minutes over there. You know, you've got guys like Aaron Baines and Matthew Delvadova and, you know, a lot of guys who are initially from there. So there's a higher intrigue and higher popularity with them over there, but these guys can still play and they're still, you know, producing. So the, the talent, the coaching, the, uh, dis the, disparity and ages that they have it's a really really impressive kind of development and path gr growth path that the nbl continues to be on and i think is a really encouraging sign for them and a different route especially for foreign prospects to take instead of coming over here to college i mean we saw all the issues that baba miller had to deal with coming over to Florida state last year. Um, you know, a lot of these guys can stay in Europe and try and get minutes there, but for young guys getting minutes on like big time Euro league teams, that's really, really difficult. And coaches are really hesitant to play teenagers just for the sake of getting the minutes and development because they have title aspirations. They expect to win cups. They expect to win games and young guys aren't always going to do that. But if the NBL continues to bring in these young guys, uh, continue developing this basically 
feeder system into the NBA for them, and they can get minutes, and they can compete against former NBA NBA guys and you know younger uh, guys who are looking to potentially get a two way or uh, part time deal over in the NBA. That's a really, really interesting kind of different route for guys like Alexander Saar going over from France, like we saw from Usman Jane uh, the other year going over from France. So it's it's really fun. I love how the NBL is kind of growing that way. I think the name that we got to kind of start with, we've talked about him a lot already, though, is Alexander Saar. Yeah, we can be quick with, with Saar. Um, from what I watched with these games, I think it was more like, box score watching you'll probably be like oh he didn't play good i think this is exactly what we're expecting with sar he had two unbelievable showcases against the g league ignite and then all of a sudden he still showed flashes of stuff that you were like yeah we just saw this i think he forced the issue a little bit much if you're um, asking my opinion like i saw some shots where i'm like you're settling you're trying to force it you know he had like a a shot on the wing like like a three-pointer where he took one dribble and just kind of lazy step back through. I was like, eh, you're forcing it. And, but I understand young guy trying to have some good performances. I think the defense still looks fantastic at times to me where I'm like, okay, some, this is really clicking, but what did you think Metcalf? Was it, was it a performance in the blitz in which you're kind of like, all right, my, uh, the, the train that everyone was jumping on with all that. Oh, let's get him in the top five. Is it to you calming down or is it like, no, this is what we're expecting a little come back down to earth and let's build off of the flashes and signs we're seeing throughout the year. Yeah. And I, I think these blitz performances were a little more what we should probably expect from him going forward. Um, I think the ignite ones were a bit of an outlier with him because I, I don't think he literally could have played better in those ignite games. Right. And right. He, was, he was perfect on both ends of the floor, essentially. Um, these games, it was a little more muted, but again, he's going against grown men who are pros where a lot of the time in those ignite games, he was kind of going up against guys, his own age with, you know, Miles Buzelis, Ron Holland, um, he's on Almansa. So, you know, it, it's a step up in physicality, step up in experience, step up in strength. Um, I thought he handled it fine. My, my big takeaway was that he did, he looked tired and when you, you know, two games into the NBL season, you're like, oh, that's not ideal. But then you think about his summer where he was playing in Hungary for for France in the FIBA U19. Then he was just over in Vegas playing against Ignite. Now he's back over in Australia playing, um, you know, in the, in the NBL Blitz, their preseason tournament. So it's like, all right, I'm going to cut him a little slack because he has literally been jumping all around the globe playing in these games this summer. So if he's still looking super sluggish three months from now, it's going to be like, hmm. Okay, well, let's hit the treadmill a little bit. But I thought the off-ball scoring looked really good. I really liked how kind of Perth started to use him in like really creative ways where they would have him spotting up in the corner and then he would cut baseline off of a high pick and roll and then initiate a post up on the weak and like a cleared out uh, weak side. Um, so, and, and defenses have to respect that because he's proving that he can be a solid knockdown spot up shooter. And then that fluidity, that athleticism to then reposition him on the fly while the defense is dealing with something else on the other side to put him in an even more advantageous scoring position. It's like, okay, they know what they have. They know what they're doing. They're going to continue putting him in spots to succeed. It, it was 
a, it was a really good performance. If people are expecting the Ignite stuff every single game, I think they're going to be disappointed. But him doing the little things and kind of filling in around the edges like he did in the Blitz all season and still, you know, having those once a week, once every two weeks, major, you know, blowout performances, then it's like, yeah, this is a top three pick. You know, it's interesting with him. Um, I agree with everything you said, like, shocker. I feel like we usually see eye to eye with this stuff, but it, it's interesting when you watch those games. I think a lot of people might have been like, oh, okay, your overreaction crowd, which is fine because <laughs> this is overreaction time because we're anxiously waiting college basketball, waiting for NBA to come back. Like, this is the newest film we have, and international hoops are starting now, which is great. But I think with SAR, the biggest thing for me when I'm watching those games is like some people might overreact and be like, hey, maybe the ceiling isn't as high as the Ignite games, what we thought. But I left it saying maybe the floor is higher than Mm -hmm. what we thought because of the defensive ability. And like Metcalf just said, like, yeah, he's not going to be putting up those box scores that he did against the Ignite every night. I thought that he did look tired. I think that's the best thing you brought up. Like the shot looked like he had some heavy legs, the, the three point shot. It looked a little bit more robotic to me just from watching from, from, you know, my couch, which is no other tradition critiquing someone's shot from a couch. But I think it's still, he showed plenty of flashes and not his best basketball, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that's where scouts will be like, Hey, even if the offense is still a little bit raw and a little bit inconsistent, Flashes are great. The defense was there. Um, I think it just is exactly what we want to see from him. And like you said, if we're seeing the the heavy legs for a couple months, then we're going to be like, uh oh, what's going on? Yeah, and I I, th- I think the one of the big things with him with just expectations going forward, I, I think it's really important to kind of it's like yeah, he could easily be the number one pick in this draft, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be this number one op- scoring option, seven foot ball handler, offensive engine. I I still have a lot of hesitation with what he is as a scorer, and I I, I think the handle is really loose. I think the pull up stuff is pretty inconsistent and sloppy. I know he's nineteen. I, I get it. But if people are going to start pitching him as this franchise cornerstone, number one offensive option, that's where I think expectations are going to get a little skewed and out of whack from where they should be. But if you're looking at him as a number two or heavens, a number three on a really good team, five, six years from now, that's where it's like, Oh, this dude is a nasty defensive cornerstone. He can spot up on the perimeter, uh, you know, pick and pop stuff. He started to show some more passing stuff, which I really hope he continues to explore um, throughout the entire NBL season, because there's some the there's some vision, there's some creativity, there's some accuracy there that could really turn him into um, an incredibly dynamic offensive weapon. I'm just not sold on the kind of off the bounce stuff really being there outside of some straight line drives, attacking closeouts and stuff. But for a guy his size at that position, that's typically enough. Right. Exactly. Um, I, I gotta I gotta ask you about a guy that I'm struggling with. Um, Let's talk about Bobby Clinton. Um, I think there's been a lot of excitement. Um, and for everyone that doesn't know Bobby Clinton last year, Wake Forest really was generating some buzz at the end of the year, despite not having great stats. Um, rumors of him having a promise when he entered like kind of the pre-draft process, a, a strange kind of, if you want to call it, end of the process where he all of a sudden out of, no, out of nowhere, he was saying, okay, I'm out. And... I'm going to end up going to play in the NBL. 
And I think that was a little bit of a shocker to a lot of us, you know, especially mm-hmm. with stuff you heard behind the scenes. I was like, okay. Um, but that's history. Now we're trying to figure out like, okay, what Bobby Clintman going to look like with a full season in NBL. I, I I'm, I'm struggling um, personally with just buying into the upside, the hype. I think there's a lot of people who are getting really excited about the idea of Bobby Clintman. And when I'm watching on tape, I feel like it's a lot of, well, the idea of this play looks good. Like yeah. a lot of, you know, Ooh, that was really nice. I wish he'd finish it. And, and I'm not trying to just be harsh on it, but I'm also trying to say is the first round hype we're at right now with Bobby, Clinton, even if late first round, is it warranted? Is this more of a guy you'd be like, Hey, I'd really get excited about him being in a second round. Am I just being too aggressive with being too harsh on him this early in the year? It just seems like this is a lot of still what I saw at mm-hmm. the end of the year with Wake Forest, Bobby Clintman. So I'm like, this is the same guy we're kind of talking about. And yes, if anyone's going to be patient with these guys all year, it's going to be me. Like I learned my lesson with Usman Jang. Anything can switch and flip. And there's really impressive stuff with him. I just mm-hmm. feel like it needs to be more consistent, more efficient. Where are you at with Bobby? I mean, for You kind of said it for me at least where it looks the exact same as last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year, I think before he withdrew, I had him like top 35, top 40 ish, uh, like that early kind of second round range where if he did go in late first, it wouldn't have shocked me. Um, but as you kind of alluded to, there was some stuff with this camp that apparently wasn't handled the most ideal way. Um, I, I, I get kind of scared when guys of his size, his athleticism, his caliber, you know, his, perceived potential uh don't make that leap like we were expecting and i was expecting a really big leap from him because last year at wake forest it was really low low usage it was um just defense rebound occasional spot up stuff and there doesn't seem to be that leap there i thought his defense looked good i thought his cutting and off ball movement looked really good there were some fun passing flashes the accuracy wasn't always there but there is a willingness and kind of um, adventure, a sense of adventure uh, with him trying to find cutters and make skip passes out of drives and stuff like that, which is really encouraging. It's just really raw still. And at this point, it's like, all right, man, if you're going to be a top 20 pick, you got to start knocking down um, threes at, I think he was under 20% in the blitz. It's three games. But when you're being you know, thrown out there as this three and D athletic wing and there's no three, those guys are really tough to play in the NBA now. I mean, and the, the flashes are awesome. He'll throw like a beautiful backdoor pass to someone. You're like, Ooh, man, if that's just something that's in his repertoire, yeah. you're going to be really excited. But I'm like you, we're trying to think of, I think it's with Bobby. Like you see some athleticism sometimes and it's almost fool's gold to me because he does struggle finishing around the basket like it's not this dominant 610 guy that just throws down with some anger like we even saw alex r with the ignite or playing against the ignite he had a couple times where we were like oh my gosh hold on to your chair he's violent around the basket with bobby it's some some touch that's just some areas that i'm like i'm not comfortable enough with where i should be with him like you said he averaged 13 a game in three games but 
Um, 38% from the field, 12% from three. Obviously, small sample size, but still, we want him to be this three and D guy. You, if you're not hitting threes, then what are we doing? And I just think I'm going to have a lot of questions about Bobby throughout the year. And it's one of the guys I'm the most excited to track when it comes to international guys because it, of everything and how it ended with the the 23 class. I think I'm just excited to see kind of what he can do with more playing time. Could that Usman Zhang flip switch just all of a yeah. sudden happen where we're like, my goodness, here's Bobby Clinton. So um, any thoughts on him or do you want to move on? No, I mean, he's, he's just going to, I'm just frustrated because I, I expected that that leap to happen and it just hasn't smacked us in the face yet. Um, again, it's three preseason right. games. So and it's seasons whatever. just starting. Yes, I, yes. I dropped him like maybe a spot or two. I still have him at 27. I still think he's a first round guy, but if he's shooting 15% from three all year, we're talking about, you know, why would I draft this guy? Um, but again, by the end of October, he's shooting 35, 40% from three on spot ups on, three and a half, four and a half, five attempts a game. That's like, okay, now we're talking top 20 because I think the defense is there. I think it's good. Um, you know, there's some fundamental stuff that needs to get cleaned up. Um, just some inconsistencies like there is on offense, but it was more aggressive than he ever looked at all last year on offense where he was trying to take guys off the dribble. There's just that refinement with his on-ball game isn't there yet. And it was, I was hoping that that, that big leap would have been taken. Um, he just kind of looks like almost the exact same player that we saw last year, which always kind of bothers me. And and we say it every episode. Everyone needs to be patient. We're just talking about what's going on right now, and, and things can change. That's what the beauty of scouting and evaluating is. We're going to have our check-ins. We're going to look out for the progress of, of players. I want to talk about one guy, and then... I'm going to talk about two names that are popular that we're going to probably have a lot of thoughts on, but I can't go any longer. I need to talk about Bobby's teammate. We need to talk about our boy, Taron Armstrong. Sweet Prince. Okay, so here's where I'm at. I'm going to have to say something to you, and then I'm going to let you take the floor. I know the shot is still a concern. That's one way to put it. But if... I told you there's a six, six point guard. That's the best passer in the world. And now is playing defense. Don't you think an NBA team's going to say to heck with it? We will figure it out. Like that is a weapon. NBA teams want to find elite basketball skills and Taron Armstrong might be one of the best passers in the world. And I just telling you his, his passing ability belongs on the NBA court. Yeah. And if he could play defense and it looked like you wrote about it. I saw it immediately on tape once in one of the first games when they zoomed in on him. I said, Oh my gosh, Taryn put on some weight, good weight. Yeah. I mean, can we reinvent a position? Everyone looks for three and D's. <laughs> can we just look for like playmaker at D? Like I I I'm convinced like someone would say, Oh, let's get a the first pick in the second round and take Taryn Armstrong and just have this awesome playmaking guard in our rotation that is a, a wizard on the court. Shout out Josh Giddy, and just figure out like the shot down the road. Like yeah. this is a Spurs move. This is a OKC does this. Like this is someone does this with a good shooting coach and just says, 
we'll figure it out. He can be an unbelievable asset for us. So I don't know where, where are you at? Am I crazy? I'm, I, I have been the conductor of the Taryn Armstrong hype train. You for have two years now. And um, you got me drinking the same <laughs> Kool-Aid now. Like I'm drunk in love. I, I keep quoting Beyonce, but this is, I can't stop fighting Taryn Armstrong love. Like I, I, he looks fantastic. And now if the defense is becoming a legit thing, I'm not saying he's Patrick Beverly out there, but it looks like there's a raised concern or of focus for his like mindset of like, I can really be an impactful defender. And I'm like, I'm in like, I would definitely go get another pick if I was a smart team and use it on turn Armstrong. Yeah. So I, look, I'm going to start with the playmaking. Okay. Just um, take over. Just <laughs> welcome to the turn Armstrong hour featuring Tyler Metcalf. Just take over, have some fun. So for the last two years, he's been the best playmaker and processor in college basketball. Um, at Cal Baptist and, you know, I would receive the occasional pushback of, oh, he's doing it against Cal Baptist opponents. I'm like, he's like, you know, there's all that crap of how real is this? Can this translate? It's like, all right, well now he's in a pro league and doing the exact same crap. Um, so, you know, when he's getting an offensive rebound, resetting the offense, uh, dribbles out to the right wing and then just delivers an absolute laser live dribble hook pass. Uh, to the opposite corner for a wide open three. It's like, yeah, I, I think that's going to work at any level uh, when he's, you know, super easily getting into the lane and then looking off weak side defenders and then throwing it to a, to someone that he hasn't looked at in the last 10 seconds. And it's perfectly on, you know, per, or right on the spot. It's like, yeah, I think that's going to translate. What he proved in these three games is that he is, arguably one of if not the best passers and processors in the world that, that that's a high bar there's some incredibly talented people out there and his playmaking belongs up there with the rest of them um and then the fact that he added that weight got visibly stronger makes his playmaking so much easier because he's he got into the lane and got to the rim whenever he wanted. And that ability to collapse the defense like that, to force those rotations, to create those 2v1 advantageous positions on the weak side, once he gets into that spot, then he's doing whatever he wants with the ball on the court, and he's setting up whichever shooter he wants. All he has to do is get that weak side defender leaning a little bit, and he's throwing it to the other guy. It doesn't really matter where either of them are. He's going to find them, and he's been doing – we're going on year three of him doing this now um, at a really, 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 really high level. So that strength gain, that weight gain um, – is making a huge impact on the offense, but God, the defense looked incredible where I, and he was sliding his feet. He was cutting off drives. He was getting over screens, the off ball stuff. He was tagging and recovering. Um, you know, he was bumping ball handlers off their drive because he has that strength to do it. Now he's not getting just bumped out of the way. I thought his defense looked arguably one of the best um, among point of attack defenders in the entire tournament. And, if he's going into this year with two elite skills of playmaking and let's say above average or well above average defense, that's not worth a, for a second round pick at least. Like I, I get the concerns with the scoring. I want him to be more aggressive as a scorer, especially once he gets inside the free throw line. I need him to start throwing up floaters a little more layups a little more. Uh, he had one, where he, you know, ran a high pick and roll, crossed up his defender, completely shook him, dribbled out to the uh, left elbow, 
rose up and then passed out of his shot that would have been wide open. I'm like, dude, you got to you got to just take that. Um, I'm not sure the shots ever really going to be there, but he's an awesome rebounder, especially for his position. Incredible defender, uh, just bewildering playmaker. I, I adore this kid. It's going to be awesome. It, it, that is a sensational case study to monitor throughout the year. And I think he, you know, there's bits of praise about the staff of the team he's on. It's going to be fascinating to monitor. Like I'm more excited now. I was when he announced he was going to go play in the NBL. I was like, this is something that is a very underrated storyline going forward. And, you know, I think a lot of people were like, well, could, could Taryn go play, be a transfer portal guy that goes and plays at a big school. And I was like, well, yeah. And it would be really awesome. I know like, Mm -hmm. I got drunk about the idea of him going to play at Arizona. I was like, oh my gosh, don't make me beg. But I'm more excited as a evaluator for him to be playing in the NBL. I think this is going to be fantastic for his development. I'm like you. He's just got to find something offensively that makes him a threat, whether it's a floater, something, because he has too many intriguing tools. He's just got to believe. Um, okay, I actually am going to throw a pivot. Unless you got any more Taron Armstrong thoughts, no, just I'm going to throw Taron. We're big fans. Come on, yeah, we're we're big we're big fit Taron. Uh, actually, we're going to make that happen. Um, let's talk about the guy that I think is the the name that surprised ev- surprised everyone was the most impressive of the NBL Blitz. Let's talk about Lachlan. Maybe the best name of all time for a big man, Lachlan <laughs> Ulbrick. Um, just everyone's buzzing about him it seemed like he had there's always a guy that just seems to have like an out of body perfect performance over a stretch of games and he had it it, it was like oh yeah he showed up at the biggest and most important time now Lachlan's buzzing like it, it was on radars before now he is going to be someone that scouts are going to go see i mean he's playing with the illawarra hawks obviously um aj johnson's on that team we're going to talk about him but i think now Instead of scouts going to see AJ Johnson, they're going to go see him and Lachlan. So, I mean, what are you thinking? Like, hit me with it. Hit me big picture. Don't be shy. You know, go crazy. Um. All right. So this is going to come off as reactionary and hyperbolic. Um. I love it. This is what I do. I put you in. I. I, I have a situations that get as close. <laughs> yeah. I have a first round grade on him now. Not early first round. Late. Late first round. Uh, you know, we're talking mid to late twenties, but holy shit, this dude put on a goddamn show um, during the during the blitz. So, I mean, he averaged eleven point four points, six point one rebounds, one point four assists, and one point two stocks. Um, or sorry, that 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 was his UC Riverside number. Yeah, that was last year. So, solid, solid numbers. Um, there's a lot of Nas read to his game. And I say that as a Timberwolves fan, uh, so that does not come lightly. This dude shot 86.5% on 7.5 attempts during the Blitz. Um, he was running in transition. He was, he's got incredible ball skills. He was you know, hitting guys with Euro steps and reverse finishes, inside scoop finishes. Um, you know, He knocked down. He only took two threes, made one of them, but he was forcing guys to close out on him, and then he was attacking closeouts off the bounce. And then he paired all of that with some really impressive passing stuff where he's dumping it off to cutters or making those skip passes out to shooters. It's like, oh my goodness, where did you come from and where have you been all my life? 
<laughs> you know what it is? It's it's watching that tape. I feel like it's when you watch like FIBA play mm. in the off season or in the summer or like the Olympics, and there's just a, a big that's super skilled and just dominating a game, and you're just like, I wish my team would go get him. And then you like Google him, and he's like. 34 years old and has been you're like dang it but this one's just like oh no this is a prospect yeah that is super fun to watch super skilled really intriguing offensively um what did you think defensively like where are you at with him is it is this just a guy metcalf that it's like oh now this is something legit and now this is a wrinkle, a curveball in this class that we have to pay close attention to and see how everything develops. Because like you said, like there's a play in which he takes a rebound and it's just pushing up and it's like beautiful. It is just glorious of like the decision making. He looks like he has some good vision. He's got some good feel. He's just a skilled big. Yeah. And this is the stuff that drives NBA teams crazy. They get in their feelings when they see a guy like this. So um, is there, what do we need to see from him? Like in your opinion, what do you need to see from him moving forward? Um, moving forward? Definitely the three ball. Um, you Just know, I don't him I'd, in a Timberwolves Jersey. Is that yeah. the answer? <laughs> no, I, I already have Nas Reed. Um, <laughs> we, we, we can't have all the fun. Up here, you know? uh, <laughs> I, I don't need him shooting 40%, but I, I would like, volume i would like two to three attempts a game and you know if he gets over 30 that'd be incredible but more so worried about the willingness and that that ability to continue to pull defenders out towards him uh which opens up driving lanes for him and you know passing and all that kind of stuff uh the free throw percentage really concerned me um it was bad at uc riverside last year it was in like the 50s it was about 50 percent during the blitz again on decent volume so he's getting to the line a lot because of how uh, fluid and shifty and creative he is with the ball um he draws a lot of fouls but you know if he's under 60 percent again um from the line that that that's a really concerning um forecast for what he is as a scorer and a shooter and makes me believe that this 86 and a half percent uh was more of an outlier than it initially reads i obviously i don't expect him to shoot that all season right but right. is that going to drop from you know, 86% where bulk of his shots were at the rim to 45%. Like, are we going to cut that in half or is it going to drop to 60% or something like that, which is still a solid percentage. Um, then defensively, it it wasn't perfect. It wasn't great, but there was effort there. It improved. I thought there was some better team stuff um, and like verticality at the rim. He's never going to be a primary shot blocker or, or rim protector or anything like that. Uh, just because he doesn't have the pop for that. But I thought he was generally in the right place. Um, the kind of footwork, the fluidity on the perimeter for defense, uh, I thought was pretty rough, where his footwork and his ability to flip his hips and quickly move his feet and react to stuff, um, it felt like he was getting blown past pretty quickly. So, which, which doesn't really add up to how he moves on the offensive end. It's kind of that weird... Um, contrast so it would be nice to see him figure out his distances on the perimeter you know move his feet a little better uh put himself in better position from the get-go on those situations where he's not in such a vulnerable position to get blown past um but i th i thought the defense was is fine um and the the offense was 
so good that it didn't really matter. Right, right. I think you're never going to you're never going to draft him for defense. You're drafting yeah. him for what a Swiss Army knife offensively he could be, which is just a really fun wrinkle on your rotation. And I, I mean, those are the fun high. Those are the fun clips when you see one and you're just all of a sudden, you know. And I, I was trying to say highlights, but I'm like, every play was a highlight for him when you're shooting almost 84. percent I think those are the fun clips where you all of a sudden you're like, whoa, this is a serious one. Like this is a fun one with a lot of skill, a lot of intrigue. Um, so I know he's going to be firmly on some radars. He's going to be making some noise. I love that you have him in your first round already. It's not overreaction season yet. Um, okay, let's be quick with these next two. Sure. Um, AJ Johnson and Trenton Flowers. A lot of buzz coming into this. Um, if they had good showings, I would have been shocked out of my mind. And it's not any slander for the for the how talented they are. They're extremely talented. But I thought they're both getting some unrealistic expectations. I feel like the Usman Zhang path might be more realistic with these two because AJ's extremely talented, extremely skinny, extremely young. That's a guy to me. I think it's just, is there going to be a time in which all of a sudden we're like, he's adjusting, he's figuring stuff out. And if he does with that frame and starts to be able to handle the physicality, that's going to tell me more than just box score chasing. Yeah. If he is starting to really, and he made some passes where you're like, Oh my good. Like, just like, okay. Like if this comes around on assistant level and you figure this out, like I'm in wait and see mode with him. And, and then just my quick thoughts on flowers and then I'll let you take it over flowers. Parker Jackson Cartwright had literally, it was the Joker. Like it, it, he put him in Arkham Asylum, was just toying with him. And then the 36ers quickly said, okay, we're done. It's just been an unbelievable kind of couple of months for, for Trenton. And I'm still in wait and see mode with him. I think when they put him on the wing, those other games, like I think it's better. But it's just, I'm, I'm in wait and see mode with him. It might take him a long time this year but i think aj aj's gonna be fine in my book i'm not gonna overreact early on but with some struggles to a teenager adjusting especially a thin teenager adjusting to the nbl where are you at metcalf what did you what did you see take the floor yeah i mean with with aj he looked like a child out there um yeah the the, the, the baby face doesn't help but he looked just so physically so much smaller physically than everyone else on the court that it, it really, really stood out, you know, with, with all these young guys, you can typically tell it's like, Oh, okay. That guy's still a teenager. Still, he, oh, he's a prospect. He's 19 or 20, but him is like, is he 16? Like he was shockingly small. Um, and it's it not really slander. Against, no, well, it's, it's, it's not slander against age. It's we've seen this like RJ Hampton struggled. Uzman Zhang, like we keep bringing up um, a lot of these guys struggle. You know, yeah. even Lamella Ball like wasn't putting up the most efficient numbers. Like it is tough to adjust as a teenager to a grown men physical league. That's why we always give so much respect to the NBL. I, I like I'm always like a big believer of the NBL as, and what they can do for players and stuff. And I think we're seeing that with a couple of these guys that 
that have developed. But I, I just wanted to put that like this is nothing against AJ. And I think there's going to be a point in the year where AJ figures it out and we're going to be like, oh, gosh, like buckle up. Like he's really going to be a problem now. Um, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's just that 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 physic that that lack of physicality, that lack of strength, just kind of innately puts him a step or two behind a lot of guys who are a little stronger already. Um, you know, when we're talking about where does he fall on a big board, um, you know, just when we did like a preliminary preseason one and no ceilings, he was all over the place. And I'm a little lower on him because I do think that it is going to take a little bit more time for him to adjust because of that lack of strength. Now, I, do I think he's going to get there? Yes. Is it a correctable thing? Yes, of course. I think that the uber talented and uber athletic teenager is going to get stronger and going to add muscle. It's going to happen. So I'm not really worried about it, but at what point does it really take that turn? Is it year two? Is it year four? You know, where are we talking about? But despite all that, I thought he still played super hard on both ends of the floor. The work rate really impressed me. Um, and then you just got these crumbs of incredible on-ball creation. There's like, oh, oh, two, three, four years ago, for, or years from now, excuse me, that's going to be nasty where he's hitting guys with uh, combo moves and step backs and then drawing a second defender and kicking it over to a shooter. And it's like, holy crap. Um, with another year of experience or hell with another four or five, six months of experience, that could be something really, really fun. So I, I do think it's going to be a really roller coaster of a year for him uh, just because of that strength and whatnot and just that lack of size. But I was really encouraged, encouraged with his mindset and how he looked in transition. He was incredible. And then just some of those flashes on ball where it's like, oh, boy, there's a lot to like here. Trent Flowers, if you only watched his first game, you would have thought, why is there a fan on the court playing? Um, it was arguably the worst <laughs> debut I can remember. It was awful. Um he was getting bullied I'm by sorry, five. No. I'm sorry to laugh. I'm sorry. And I, I'm not no, trying to be yes, rude. I, I'm going to spin. Right, it. I'm right, going right. to spin. We're going we're gonna to spin positive. Don't worry. But it was that bad. It was an absolute disaster. And having this kid putting him out there to play point guard was setting him up to fail. He's never been a point guard. And then you're able, you'll be like, hey, we're going to throw you into second, third, fourth best league in the world, professional league in the world against grown men who have NBA experience. And you're going to be a starting point guard for the first time in your life. No one's going to succeed under that. I was thrilled when they announced mutual that it was a mutual decision. Apparently, those are rare. Um, yeah, that they rare. were going <laughs> to that they were going to move him off ball and you know not put him at that point guard spot because I, I think if they would have tried to wait it out and battle through it for the entire tournament, I think it could have destroyed his confidence. But moving him off ball. I, I believe is mutual because I thought he played even harder. I thought he looked even more engaged. I thought he was even more effective in that off ball role. And, you know, when you think about him and his NBA future, his NBA potential, the odds of him being an on ball point guard or primary creator are slim to none. That's not an indictment on him as a player. That's just speaking to the threshold of that role in the NBA. It is so fucking hard to do that in the NBA that 99% of guys will never do it. So him learning to play off ball, learning how to, how and when to cut and relocate on the perimeter and get really comfortable 
with that shot off the catch while then, you know, using that extra energy um, on the defensive end to refine some of his lacking fundamentals. That's where I think long-term that's where he's really going to improve and really going to benefit. Um, I, I was really glad that they moved him off ball because it, it just, it was clear from tip off that it wasn't going to work. And while he still wasn't necessarily good in the remainder of it, it was so much better. The, the the move to make him a playmaker when they announced it, I was like, what? It was weird. And then it didn't make sense. They had a, yeah, they had a couple of preseason games. And like, if you're doing that, you better have some good assist numbers. Like, you better be putting those up. And like, some of the preseason games that I'd seen before the NBL Blitz, it was like three assists. I was like, this ain't going to be it if you're running the offense. It pisses me off that they even put him in that position because that is just a confidence ruin. Like that is, that's not putting his confidence. Like, Oh, it went from level two to zero. That's just throwing it down a hill. And now he has to literally restart that process from ground zero. And I don't care what you say, like that is super impactful for a developmental curve for a player. I'm glad, like you said, they realized the mistake they probably talked to him and said, this ain't working. He probably said, you're right. Um, and now we're hopefully going to see the confidence start to get back into his game. Um, it's going to be too early with him. It was going to be, it's been a wild path. Um, but they're, they're like still playmaking and on-ball creation stuff that they can use with him as yes. a second side creator yes. where, you know, they run something on the strong side, kick it over, have him run that second side pick and roll or attack a closeout and then, you know, ease him into it and, you know, develop that handle behind the scenes, develop the passing accuracy and put him in spots to succeed, which they didn't in the first game. Hopefully, you know, that quick decision to kind of re reverse that, um, makes me a little more optimistic, but the, the, there are still ways where they can, where they and he can grow that aspect of his game without being like, Hey, here's the ball run the offense for the first time in your life. I completely agree. And, you know, I have to just shift it to somebody else now. Cause I need to get positive about something. Um, I'm in, I'm in love with Alex Tui as a basketball player. Ooh. Um, you need to talk me off a ledge because I know there's some people out there that are like, well, he looks like a prospect that we want to monitor down the road. And I am like to heck with that. I'm watching a guy that I would be wanting to draft this year, regardless. Um, now I'm not trying to say like, Oh, he's a lottery pick. I'm just saying this looks like a damn good basketball player. Mm -hmm. That's a young age shot looks beautiful. I mean, we saw him in Portland yeah. shout out, you know, everybody drink. drink. <laughs> um, we saw him at Nike hoop summit and like, it took a it took like 20 minutes of practice for me to be like who the heck is this kid like just solid shot was stocky looked like that good frame um one of those guys that just was like making plays making the smart team plays they played the scrimmage yeah. i remember in portland they were playing the scrimmage the first night i was there and i was just like he just seems to be making the right play all the time um, and, and sometimes it's the hockey assist. Sometimes it's a, a great hustle rebound to start the fast break. So I'm pushing the ball ahead. And then the shot came around. I was like, man, just a nice piece. And you talk about having him around six, eight, six, nine, whatever he's listed at. I, I just, 
watching these NBL games in the Blitz, like Tui can play, man. I don't know how long we can hold off saying, eh, maybe down the I was like, no, Alex Tui's here now. We need to start talking about him now. Um, and this is a guy that was supposed to go to Gonzaga. And now all of a sudden it's going to go to NBL and, you know, steal my heart. I, I, I'm i in love. Metcalf talked me off the ledge. Am I getting crazy? Like, I no, feel I like didn't. he's a 24 guy. I feel like he really is a 24. And this is an overreaction. Yes. I, I have him in my top 50, I think like 46 or 45 right now. Um, I love that and, out of you. I, and when he decommitted from Gonzaga, we knew that that was going to hurt them. But now it looks yes. like just a massive hit. I agree. Um, he he, he would have been. Yeah, I, th- I think he would have been one of the focal points for that Gonzaga team this year. And I, I think he could have been a real game changer for that program, uh, you know, this season specifically. But he just knows he's just one of these guys who just knows how to play. And I know that sounds like a platitude and just super simplistic. But a lot of the times it just kind of comes down to do you know how to play or, or don't you? And he does he gets the little things he's willing to do them uh his defense was incredible i thought he looked like one of the more mature defenders out there where he's being that low man communicating switches directing guys where to go um you know switching on the perimeter guarding guards guarding bigs moving his feet being in the right place when he needed to be um he's just one of those guys that you can always count on on the defensive end it looked really really Good. And it looked like a guy who was 24, 25 years old entering his prime defensively, where he just where just the rotations and the timing, and he knew where the ball was going to be before it went there. And he's what 19, 20. Um, so that that was really encouraging that it just transferred immediately. And then just the shot looked even better than it did in April in Portland. Um I, I mean he guys like him are guys like Jaime Hawkes, who just do the little things. They play the right way. I'm not necessarily comparing them as players, but they just lead to winning basketball. And don't you just kind of want that in your team a little sooner than later? If he spends multiple, I, I would be surprised if he doesn't end up being a 24 guy. I, I think the tools are there. If I was an NBA team and he was there in, in the second round, I'd be very, very excited about taking a swing on him, bringing him along slowly or quickly, however, you know, quickly he develops, but he's just one of those guys that I would want on the roster. I, I mean, you wrote it in your piece. Um, and I thought it was spot on. It was just talk about, you were talking about like, he's not an on-ball creator and people get scared by that. And I'm like, I don't think you'll ever be. No, that's not his game. His game is stretching the floor, making the right reads, knowing where the ball is supposed to go. Like he is a smart team basketball player. Yeah. And then you pair the outside shot with the defensive potential. You got a really high basketball IQ player who makes people better and doesn't force the issue with his shot. And I just, that is a guy that finds a way to play 10 plus years in the NBA. And, and I just, I watch him. And I'm not focusing with Alex to what he can't do when I watch him. I'm like, look at all the stuff he can do on the court. Like, look at, I'm not worried. Like, Oh, he's never going to be a, a guy. I'm like, here's the ball. We need you to, you know, create your own bucket off step backs. Like, no, Tui's going to be a great guy that you're putting next to that guy who can create. That's going to be a catch and shoot weapon. And, um, 
I just I love his game. I think he's just yeah. can flat out play, and I think it's this year, not down the road. Same. But I'll bite. You know, it'll come back to haunt <laughs> me, so it's okay. Who? Let's open open it. Who do you want to talk about? Um, you you wrote about a lot of guys. I know we've been talking in depth about a lot of these, but there's just a lot of really fun pieces. Um, take it, Metcalf. Just hit me with anyone. Uh, I I need to talk about it. Ariel Hook, Hook 40. I knew you were going to do it. It's a name I haven't heard in years. I, that is a joke for everyone listening. We hear this name every year since he I was, was like four years old. I so was done with it. I'm like, we are not doing this again. Um, but here we are. We're doing it again. <laughs> um, I was really, really impressed. And, you know, I, I, I wrote in the piece. I was like, you know, just I was out on him completely. Uh Two, I think it was two years ago where he kind of first really broke out as like, oh, this could be the next athletic foreign center. And I was like, eh, okay, maybe. And then he didn't declare. And then last year, some people tried to push that again. I'm like, this looks like the exact same dude as before. So hard pass. Um, he was incredibly impressive uh, during the blitz. Um, and the, the the big thing that stood out to me was the defense and how much better he's gotten as that drop defender in the pick and roll. Um, just really disciplined, really good positioning, really good shot blocker. It, it was a really, really meaningful jump that doesn't necessarily pop on the box score, obviously. But when you just watch him, it's like, oh, you're just in the right spot basically all the time. And you would you were never like that before. You know, we would get flashes before, but now it's possession after possession after possession where he's just doing the little things. Um offensively it's rough. There's zero scoring touch there, but he catches everything. He's a good athlete, he dunks everything. Um, so it's just a rim running, uh solid defensive backup center, uh second or third string center, uh, you know, next year. I think you could do a lot worse when we're talking about second round centers. It's like, I, it wouldn't stun me if this dude ends up getting a contract and, you know, at minimum a two way and ends up kind of carving out a little five to eight minute role for himself on a nightly basis. I mean, he had a clip that was probably one of the most impressive defensive clips of the entire blitz. Um, when it came to like kind of switching on containing and then all of a sudden, reacting to a dump off and had a block shot. And I, he did look like exactly what you said. He looked like a potential second round big that becomes a second round, like or a backup big in your rotation. That's just defensive minded and really makes an impact there. So yeah, yeah I like, mean, a, I'm a making like jokes. Messi met too, or, uh, yeah. Nemes Keda, you know, like these guys, like, yeah, they kind of bounce around. They don't really, you know, they're not game changers, but they provide depth. They do the little things that your team needs. And that, you know, when your starting center gets in foul trouble and your backup center has now played 10, 15 more minutes than he's used to and is gassed, he can come in. He can do the little things for five to 10 minutes and he's not going to kill you. I'm going to, um, I'm going to spin it at you. We're going to do a special because I'm just taking the show over and I'm, I'm running everything right now. We're going to do this or that. I'm going to put you on okay. the spot and it's going to be NBL <laughs> focus. So um, let's do Trenton flowers or AJ Johnson. Um, oh boy. Uh, I believe. <laughs> yeah. I think AJ Johnson by quite a bit. Bobby Clintman or Lachlan Ulbrich. 
Yeah, oh we're getting spicy here. And then this is going to get... Okay, Lachlan. Uh, all right, yeah, all right. Yeah, Everyone I've, heard I've, that. I've, Everyone I've, heard Lachlan, that. I have Lachlan a little higher. Um, I mean, I feel like I know what you're going to say here, so I'll just say uh, Ben Henschel or Taryn Armstrong. Okay. All right, now we're. I, I know what the answers are going to be for all of these. So um, who else you got? I know, I know I brought up Ben Henschel, but is there anyone else you want to give some spotlight to? I know. Uh, yeah, we, not- we, we can talk about Ben uh, real quick. Um, I'll just run through a couple names. Uh, David Oquera. Yeah. Oquera. Apologies on pronunciation. Um, he didn't play in their first game. I think he was coming back from injury. Kind of struggled to mm-hmm. find his place, mm-hmm. but there, there, there are some fun athletic tools. Uh, there's some fun passing flashes, some uh, ball skill potential there. I think he's kind of a name to at least keep an eye on, you know, just we'll see how he finds his footing. Um, Jalen Galloway, I guess he isn't eligible. I wrote about him, but I guess he isn't eligible for this draft. I guess technically he was last year's. Um, right, right. I was like, okay, so it's I, fun to do this somewhere. assignment. You're like, Oh, okay. Two way guy. Like, yeah. So I, he, he was really, really fun. Uh, incredibly good slasher, really good passer out of drive, solid defender. Uh, the shot is rough, um, but he's kind of one of these guys where it's like, it, it wouldn't be stunning if he gets a two-way. Um, and then Roko Zakarski, uh, yes. didn't see a ton of him because he had ankle injury that he was dealing with. Um, he's got just an insane scoring touch. Um where it's like, oh, this is fun. He's also one of the largest human beings you'll ever see. Um, That's a twenty-five one. Yeah, and for everyone listening, like, if if the frame comes around, he's a legit twenty-five name that we need to start paying a serious attention to. And I think all scouts probably are feeling the same way of like, just let the frame come together, and then we're gonna have we're gonna be buckling up for for Zakarski. I'm very intrigued, very excited. Um, I mean, it, we. There's a couple of games, you know, as people are listening to this, um, there was a couple of games in the NBL set for Friday, um, very early hours. I'm sure I will be up watching one of them because I'm a psychopath. I, I, but I think they put them all on their YouTube. Yeah, as well, so everyone, so make sure you out. check it out. I mean, Perth's playing, um, Tasmania, and 36ers are playing Brisbane. So it's going to be fun. Like, it's, it's legit, Metcalf. Like, I keep trying to tell people like the international class this year, everyone's like getting yeah, worried fun. about this 24. Cl- the international class is bringing some steam. It's yeah. a lot better than what we had last year. Yes. It's a lot better, a lot deeper, legit talent. Um, who else am I missing? Who, uh, who do, else? Do, do you want to talk about Ben? Yeah. Let's talk about my boy, Ben. Um, I'm excited that I got to read your piece and you had some positive stuff. So talk to me about you your thoughts about Ben. That. No, it, it's just fun when I have a, a, a draft crush on someone and sometimes I'm getting a little ahead of myself and then you start to be kind of positive too. And I'm like, okay, usually when I see something that I like and then you confirm it, I feel pretty good <laughs> about what I'm watching. So, I mean, where, where are we at? Where are we at with Ben Henschel? Because so I, I, I think that's the one that's... He it's quietly heating up on the back burners. I feel like with a lot of people you talk to around the league, I think people are getting very intrigued. It's just how quickly is the intrigue going to turn into, Hey, Ben maybe should go this year. Or is this a guy that everyone's excited about maybe with another year? 
Yeah, I, I I think he should probably be a next year guy and not necessarily a this year yeah. guy. But if he does end up staying in this draft, it's not going to shock me. Um, I've been just really impressed with him. Uh, tech, I think probably technically a shooting guard, but they played him at point a bunch. And I kind of liked some of the stuff that he showed with his passing. Uh, he plays with just an obscene amount of confidence. Uh, very, you know, just a limit on his shooting range is pretty non-existent, pretty crafty handle getting into the lane needs to improve as like a finisher around the rim. Um, not a great athlete, but really smart defender. I thought he was really good off ball, jumping, passing lanes, kind of just being in the right spot, being a pest. I promise I'm not just doing this because you know, they're two white guys, but th- th- there is a little Austin Reeves stuff to his game. Uh, you know, he's obviously not at that level yet, but right. Right two, three years from now, like it wouldn't be shocking to see him, you know, look like what Austin Reeves looked like coming out of college. I love that. I just love that. And for everyone that doesn't know, like Ben was impressing during those ignite games. He was kind of, you know, Alex star was stealing the show, but people were like, who's this stocky, tough white kid. I mean, not stocky. He's still thin frame, but he's tough. He plays the right way six five he can shoot like he was impressive he 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 made a statement in those games and now carrying that over to the nbl blitz he's got some momentum rolling with him so i I think the the secret if you want to even put it that way is out and ben is going to be firmly on some radars and you know there's some people asking us about him and i'm like yeah like ben's on the list my boy ben we're firmly watching ben now like uh, it's just it's going to be exciting. So what else you got Metcalf? Anything? I think that's all I got. Okay. Well, this was fun. I appreciate you letting me take control of the, of the wheel for yeah, a little great. bit. I feel a little bit this comfortable with this. We might have to easy. switch this up. Yeah. This is what you do every episode. You don't do anything. This is incredible. Well, I, I kind of like hosting. I kind of like it being in control. Are you sure you want to go forward with me having the power? I mean, come on. So I, I, I like this, but um, no, for myself and, and for Mr. Metcalf, thanks for everyone listening to this one. We got a lot of fun stuff coming up. October 9th, folks, we're back. That's going to be when we're really opening the floodgates. We'll have content every day coming out we have some fun exciting oh my God, announcements so yes it's very so close. close we're what are we oh like almost what happened to september <laughs> yeah so um we got some new additions coming on board a pair yep. of them very pumped to announce very that excited. um got been working behind the scenes we've got some new shows coming out we've got some new segments coming out we've got a draft guide coming out fine and i'll just spoil some stuff we've got a lot of stuff on the line on the way. So um, it's been a long off season Metcalf NBA basketball is right around the corner. I think preseason is going to start literally like in a week or something. And then college basketball is right, right there too. So thank you Metcalf for, for helping me get through the off season. I'm very excited about this um, for everyone. Please help us out. Go to no ceilings, subscribe. Um, also give us a review on, you know, the podcast. We're trying to get it better. We're going to have some new stuff coming out this year. It's going to be fun. So um, for myself and for Mr. Metcalf, this has been a great one. And everyone have a good weekend. We love you all. Take care.